Amen. And all God's people say it. Grab your Bible and turn with me. Remain standing for just a moment. Turn with me to Job chapter number one. <clears throat> Job chapter number one. I have, for several weeks, I've been trying to preach out of Romans one on Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and every week it seems like the Lord wants something different. And uh, I've come to find out he's smarter than I am. And he knows what we need. Amen. Uh, I, it's, it's, it's a little humorous, a little ironic that this is Baby Dedication Sunday and the title of the message is When Your Nightmare Comes True. Uh, if what you're dedicating is your nightmare, that's your problem. Amen. I don't, I don't know how all that turned out that way. I didn't plan it that way. It's just, it's what, it's what God wants us to hear today. <clears throat> Sometimes nightmares do come true. They come true. And then in this case, with this man Job, his nightmare came true. I don't want to, we're not going to go into all the theological realms of this particular book and, and how how God was doing something behind the scenes. This was really a, uh, a, not, a not a competition, maybe a battle or, or maybe uh, something, I, I, whatever word you want to put there, between uh, God and the devil. And, and Job just happened to be a player in the deal. And uh, this was more about the worth and, and, and glory of God than it was of anything. Uh, but I, I don't want to spend time in that. I, that's, not the, that's not the point. That's not what, what I'm trying to accomplish today. Uh, today is a very practical message. Uh, that's the type of message I love preaching. I love just tell me how to do it. Amen? One, two, three, let me, you know, uh, this, is not a, this is not necessarily a why. This is a what. This is what we do. What do you do? What do you do when your nightmare comes true? What do you do when that traumatic thing takes place? What do you do? When you lose something great in your life. Uh, here we find in the book of Job, we find, we find some very practical things that Job did. Uh, uh, Job was a, was a great man. A great man. The, the greatest man in the East at this particular time. Some historians put the time of this story between the Tower of Babel and, and Abraham. It was before Abraham. It was before the tabernacle worship. It was before all of that. Uh, Job is playing the role of priest in his home, and, and he was a man that loved God. He was a man that feared God, and he was a man that had great faith in God. And so as we read this, I want you to look in verse number one. Uh, we'll, we'll read several of the verses, and then we'll pray today. If you will pray for me, would you say amen? It says, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright. That, that doesn't mean he was without faith. Flaws, it means he was, he was mature, he was complete, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses in a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses. Every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so 
when the days, now, now verse 5 will kind of help you understand his nightmare. This will kind of help you understand what Job is thinking. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, watch this, it may be, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. In other words, his fear was it that they would, they would, something would take place and, and, and because of being foolish that they would do something to offend God and to cause God's judgment and wrath to come upon them. So while they were celebrating their party, he was worshiping and he was offering sacrifices on their behalf. If that makes sense, say amen. He was afraid that they might do something foolish and, and anger God and bring the wrath of God upon them. So he is trying to take, he's trying to do something to keep that from taking place. Verse number six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? Why? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. But he didn't bring up, he didn't bring up Job. God did. Amen. Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth. And perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And Satan, this is, a, this is an interesting verse. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for, for nothing? For nothing. I'm going to pray so y'all go ahead and sit down because I'm going to read some more. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for this truth and this word. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to keep reading. I don't want your mind to get swayed by having to stand a long time and not focus on what we're, we're talking about. Satan answers the Lord and says, I tell you what, does he fear God for nothing? Will he worship you if you don't bless him? Will he worship you if you don't protect him? Will he worship you if you don't bless his finances and bless his family and give him what he asked for and answer his prayers? Would he still bless you that way? You say, well, why would he say that? Because I think he knows a lot of Christians. I think he knows a lot of people that claim to be a Christian and claim to love God until God does something they don't like. It's kind of like the ministry. Everybody's for the preacher until he's for something they're not for. Amen? And so the devil, he's just calling it like he's seen it in so many cases. Well, would he do it if you don't bless him? And boy, that's a question we need to all ask ourselves. Will we still do what we do if God doesn't do what we want him to do? God responded, well, let me continue reading what Satan says. Hast thou not made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and hast in, in his substance is increased in the land. Put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and there was a day when that sons and, uh, and his daughters were eating and drinking in, uh, wine in their eldest brother's house. 
And there came a messenger unto Job. Now, Matt, put yourself in this day. Put yourself in this day. You, you, you have this fear. You have this fear. You have this nightmare, if you will, that your sons and your, your, your daughters would do something to offend a holy God, would do something foolish and, and cause the wrath of God to come down on your children. So you, you go overboard. You go beyond the call of duty in your worship and in your efforts to make sure your kids are taken care of, to make sure your kids are okay. And now you are, you are minding your own business and this is what takes place. There came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing. Remember, he's the greatest man in the east, the wealthiest man in the east. The oxen, uh, 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 the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, he's not even through telling him he's lost everything. There came also another and said, The fire of God is falling from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, he wasn't even through telling him that. The Bible says while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men. And they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. The next three verses is the message today. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground in worship and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say it with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say it again. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I, I, I was sitting there, I was sitting there a while ago, and I was listening to the songs. We were singing, and I, I was amazed because, because Jalen has no idea what I'm preaching on. He has no idea what's fixing to take place and, 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 and what we're fixing to read. And, and, and we're, we're singing, I will bless your name. I will bless your name. And man, I tell you, I, I, I was in worship, and I was thinking about God and what he's done for us and, and all the blessings of God, and I will bless your name. And, 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 and the whole time I'm thinking that, Will you do it for nothing? It's easy to come in here. It's easy to come in here and sing that song when everything's going right, when everybody's healthy, when everything's fine. But Job sins, and listen, in all of his, all of, can you imagine? 
Can you imagine in one moment, in one moment, one servant after another comes, and while before one's through speaking, the other starts, and it's just bam, 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 bam. You've lost everything. Lost everything you worked for. Lost everything you saved. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing to lose your financial capabilities and financial stability. That's one thing. But then to turn around and lose lose the very things that you would give all of those finances to keep. And that's your family. There's not a, there's not a person in this room, if you are sane and normal, there's not one single parent or grandparent in this room that would not step in front of a pistol to save your child. And if it took a heart transplant to save your child, you would give them your own. And he's lost all of them. Not one, not two, but ten. I can't even even imagine. Now we have the benefit. We have the benefit of knowing what's happening. We have the benefit of knowing what's happening. Job don't know what's happening. Job doesn't know what's going on. Job technically, technically, unless I'm using this, this very, Job hasn't done anything to deserve this. He was an upright man. He was not being punished. He was not being disciplined. He did not earn this. If you, you, are you with me? So what, what did he do? I want to go at this. We can go into the, we can go into the following chapters and, 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 and talk about the deal between Satan and God, but that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. That's, that, that's, not, even, that's not even where we want to go with this today because, because he didn't know that. What did Job do when he didn't know what was going on? What did Job do? You say, what are you talking about this nightmare? I want you to read in Job chapter 3. You don't have to turn. I'm going to read it and you can turn later. Job 3, 25. In his grief and his wailing and in his response, he says in Job 3, 25, for the thing which I greatly feared, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. You know what he's saying? My nightmare has come true. In Job's mind, in Job's mind, those kids done something. In Job's heart, something has taken place. God is angry. God is, listen, he has, they have done something and now the wrath of God is falling upon them and their lives have been taken. My nightmare has come true. This thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. This thing that I, I was afraid was going to happen has taken place. And here I am. What do we do? What do you do when you get that phone call? What do you do when that situation takes place? What do you do when your world is turned upside down in a moment? I've seen it over and over again in ministry. I I, I can't tell you the countless phone calls I've received and said, get here quick, Such such and such has happened. So and so is gone. There's been an accident or or someone's had a heart attack or this has taken place or that has taken place. Nightmares do come true. 
So what do we do? It could be a crime. Listen, a church was worshiping last week. Church was worshiping last week and some crazed maniac came in and was shooting babies at point blank range. The pastor of the church's 14-year-old daughter is killed. You're talking about a nightmare coming true. Don't know what's going on. Don't have a clue what to, what to even think. We don't know what's up or down. That's where Job was. So what did he do? I want you to look in verse number 20. It could be a crime. It could be an accident. It could be a past mistake. It could be a death, a health issue, divorce, a spouse who is unfaithful, a family crisis, a financial crisis, an addiction, a job loss. Man, just, just put in there whatever you want to put in there. Whatever, whatever's on that list, whatever you're facing, whatever crisis you are experiencing. Sooner or later, ladies and gentlemen, we, we, you're going to have to understand you're going to face a crisis in your life. You're going to face a nightmare in your life because we are broken people living in a broken world in a culture that is increasingly becoming ungodly, increasingly becoming more wicked by the day. And nightmares do come true. So what did Job do? Look in verse number 20. Here's three things that he did that we can do. Then Job arose, verse 20. He rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. Say it with me. Let's all read verse 20. Then Job arose. Everybody read it with me. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. Number one, what do we do when our nightmare comes true? What do we do when that thing that we feared has come upon us? What do we do? The first thing we do, the first step that we take, the first thing we experience and we allow to happen is we grieve. We grieve. We grieve. Now, I know that seems elementary, and I know that seems like, well, that's just a natural response, but that's not always the case. Job took and rent his mantle. He shaved his head. This was a sign of grief. This was a process that the people of that ancient day went to uh, when they were grieving, when they were mourning, when they were in a time of difficulty, great difficulty. This was the steps that they would take. They were officially, officially grieving. Uh, we, we don't really do that today. We don't shave our head. We don't tear our mantle. We don't tear our clothes. And uh, we, we don't have any kind of official thing that would signal and, and say that we are grieving but this is what took place. He officially began to grieve. And he, here's what I see in a lot of people. When something traumatic happens, when something difficult happens, we go into in, in, in inspector mode and we go into detective mode and we're, we're trying to find an answer. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to dissect this whole thing and, and, and wonder what in the world is taking place. Why is this taking place? We try to find every detail. We try to be strong. and we hey, Listen, we have to be tough. No, you don't. You don't have to be tough. You don't have to be supernatural. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be strong for this person or that person. You don't have to do any of that. You need to grieve. You need to grieve. Before he did anything, he grieved. 
Before he took any steps, before he, he, he said anything, he officially went into grief mode. You've got to allow yourself to grieve. Two things under this I want you to write down. Under grief. First, I want you to see this. That grief is a process. Write that down. Write that down. Grief is a process. Some of you probably heard this before, and that's fine. But you need to understand something. Grief is not, grief is not perfect. Grief is it, it, it's, it's not clean, clear cut. But grief is a process. You're going to go through a process of feelings. You're going to go through a process of emotions. And, 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 and if you go through, we don't have time today, but if you go read through the book of Job, you will see these things taking place. You will see these emotions coming and going in Job's life. And uh, it, it's not real. Listen, it's, it's not cut and dry like we think. We, that Job, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't go through this thing and, and, and just, okay, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I, and, and, and he was fine. That's not the way it is. He grieved. He got angry. He was depressed. He was in denial. He was wondering, why is this going on? All of these emotions Job went through. And here they are, if you want, you want the list. First is shock. There's that initial shock, panic and shock that takes place. Then, there's, then there is uh, shock then there is anger. Anger. We get angry. We get angry at the situation. We get angry at the issue. We get angry at the offender. We get angry. And sometimes we even get angry at God. If the truth be known. I was reading an article and he was, he was talking about his aunt. His aunt had passed, or his aunt's husband had passed away, and 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 and, and as she was going through those emotions, she she got in her car one day and, and 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 tried to crank the car, and the car wouldn't crank, and she just broke out in anger, banging her fist on the on the wheel, saying, "Henry, Henry, Henry, why did you leave me with a car that won't crank? Why did you leave? But you left me with a car that won't crank." And in anger, she just and all it was was grief. Anger, shock, not only shock, but then I want you to see <clears throat> denial, denial. This can't be happening. This can't be real. Then depression, depression. And then finally, number five, acceptance, <clears throat> acceptance. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the order. It doesn't matter the order, shock, denial, anger, depression, acceptance. It doesn't matter the order. Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross suggested a journey of grief, one with many twists and turns. <clears throat> but it's important to understand that the grieving process is not some neat progression. A person, Dr. Elizabeth says, a person may repeat a stage or skip one and go right into another. You may go from shock to anger, from anger to denial, from depression back to shock. And, and listen, all in the same day. But it's a process of emotions that's taking place. You say, what do you do? Do you pin it up? No. No. What do you do? You do it. Whatever it is. I, I, I've seen people, I've been crying all day, I've got to stop this. No, you don't. 
No, you don't. If you feel like crying, cry. Cry. Cry on. Do y'all know tears are a language that God understands? He knows. Do you realize that many people think, many people think that the only time that Jesus wept is with the shortest verse in the Bible, you know, when, when Lazarus was in, in the tomb and, and Jesus came in and Jesus wept. And, and that's the, that's the, the one time that, that people have in their mind that that took place. But do you realize when he came in on that colt, when, when they were crying, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna to the king, he came in Jerusalem and Luke, I think it's Luke 19, you'll find out that he began to look on Jerusalem and look on all the people and he cried out, he wept over Jerusalem. And I mean, this is a bitter cry, a wailing cry, calling out, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often, how often would I gather thee together? I, I, I want to take care of you and I want you to come to me. And he sees that they are going into judgment and Jerusalem is going to be destroyed in just a matter of years. And he's grieving over Jerusalem. Even Jesus cried and he grieved. Listen, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing super spiritual about trying to be tough. I know as guys, we're taught that from little kids, you know, you fall down, get up, get up, you're not hurt, you're not bleeding, tough it out, walk it off, walk it off, yeah, walk it off, got a limb hanging, walk it off, walk it off. (laughs) Am I right? And we're taught not to use those emotions. Listen, if those emotions were not healthy, God wouldn't have gave them to us. Now, I'm not saying turn into a big sissy. But I'm saying sometimes. Do you know the Bible says there is a time to weep? And there's a time to mourn. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to sow and there's a time to reap. There's a time for everything. And when that nightmare takes place, that's a time to grieve. You need to just grieve. Allow, say that with me, allow yourself to grieve. I've seen people, I've seen people that just refuse to allow themselves to grieve because either they thought it wasn't spiritual or they thought it wasn't healthy or even this, even this. They thought they didn't deserve to. Because they felt guilty about the situation. They felt guilty about the issue. Maybe they felt at blame for what had taken place so they wouldn't allow themselves to grieve because they didn't feel like they deserved to feel better. Ladies and gentlemen, allow yourself to grieve. And when you go through the grief process, understand it is a process. It is not clean cut. It is not clear. It's not, uh, you know, I go from one to two to three to four. No, okay, now I'm in acceptance. Now everything's better. No, it's not like that. One day you'll feel better about it. One day you'll, you'll be in an accepting mode and thinking everything's going great. Everything's going fine. Two or three days will go by and you think I've got this whipped. Everything's good. You will hear a song. You will smell a perfume. You will do something that will remind you of the tragedy and go right back into anger. But just know, that's normal. Don't think in that moment, because the devil's going to come to you. The devil's going to come to you and get on your shoulder. See, you'll never get over this. 
See, you thought you were doing better. See, you thought you had it figured out. You thought it was going to be better. You thought you would get, uh, but you'll never, listen, we'll never get over many things, but we will get through them. And if you experience that other emotion, don't think that you're not far enough down the trail. Don't think you're not accomplishing anything. Don't think you're not getting, getting better. You are, but sometimes, sometimes. Listen, the next day will bring another day. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Two, or A, or B. Something, just write something. <laughs> First step we take is, is, is we grieve. And, and under, under that, we understand that grief is a process. But then, then B, underneath that, write this, that grief has a purpose. Grief has a purpose. God has given us grief as a healing process. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to read some stuff. I'm going to read some stuff. I don't normally do this on a Sunday morning message, but i got so much material I, and we may not get through it all. We don't. We'll go. We'll, we'll tackle it next week. But just listen a minute. Just listen a minute. <clears throat> I, I'll give you these if you want this. If you can't write fast enough, I'll print these off for you to have if you would like. Grief has a purpose. People sometimes feel guilty about going through grief because they think they should be able to handle things as, as if life was business as usual. But they struggle with their emotions, and the emotions win out at times. We wonder if we're normal, if we're losing our minds. We need to know that grief is normal. Say that with me. We need to know that grief is, matter of fact, it's essential. It's essential. I wrote three things down to keep in our minds. Grief is the first step toward adapting to the loss or crisis. Grief is the first step toward adapting to the loss or crisis. Number two, the way out of grief is to journey through it, not avoid it, not go around it. Because if we don't grieve, we won't heal. How many of you know you can carry a wound for 30 years in your heart? It's not, the, the answer is not avoid it. The answer is not ignore it. The answer is not to put a mental block up and just act like it didn't happen. Listen, the answer is to go right through it. Grief. The way out of grief is to journey through it. Number three, this, is, this, is, this will help. Grief is the winter before the spring of new life. Grief is the winter before the spring of new life. Grief can also be used to create something new in and with our life. Preacher, it will never be the same. No, but it can be better. I'll be honest with you. If you don't, Go through a crisis, things are still never going to be the same. Did you hear me? No matter what, things are still never going to be the same. Listen, let me read it. Here's an example from nature. When Mount St. Helens erupted in May 1980, hundreds of square kilometers were obliterated under a sea of mud and ash. Every living thing was destroyed, buried, or burned. But within four months, the first flowers began to bloom within a couple kilometers of the mountain. Some tiny seedlings somehow survived, and now that the taller trees were gone, they had the opportunity to grow and to flourish. Within a year, wildlife had returned. 
out of the apparent lifeless landscape of devastation was springing new life. Biologists estimate that within 30 years, it will be hard to tell that an eruption ever took place. Say, what is that? That's God at work. Now listen, listen, listen everybody. God can bring new life too. To whatever your crisis, to whatever your traumatic experience, to whatever your nightmare is, God can bring new life. Sometimes it happens so slowly we hardly even are aware of it. But new life comes. We find strength to get out again. We find strength to move forward. We discover our anger, even our anger toward God, transform into wisdom as we gain perspective on life. Out of the devastated landscape of our lives comes new life that is surprisingly beautiful. Yes, it is different than life was before, but even in its difference, it's beautiful. God leads us beside peaceful streams we never knew before. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he hath made everything. Say that with me. He hath made, everybody say it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. In his time. What does that mean? That means God can take a great nightmare and turn it into brand new life. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me when. There will be some questions we won't be able to answer, but we know by past experience, we know by the promises of God's Word that it doesn't matter what the trial, it doesn't matter what the traumatic experience, it doesn't matter how dark or how black the nightmare is, God has the power, God has the ability to take your mess and turn it into something beautiful. And grief is the process to get us to that place. Listen, we grieve. Number two. Number two, look at the next verse. Now remember, Job has no idea about what's going on behind the scenes. All he knows is he's lost everything. All he knows is all his children are dead. All he knows is he's got a plan for ten funerals. All he knows is all hell is broken loose in his life. All he knows is that thing that he greatly feared has come to pass. His nightmare has come true. So the first step he takes is grieve. He allows himself to grieve. He shaves his head. He tears his mantle. He falls down to the ground and worshiped. Verse 21, and he said, and he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want you to put number two. First, we grieve. Number two, then we remember. Then we remember. I, I got to speed up a little bit. We've got baby dedication. I promise it's going to get better. But just, just I'm, I'm going to try to hurry. What do we remember, preacher? What do we keep in mind? When we're going through our nightmare, what do we keep in mind? Most nightmares, most traumatic situations, most things that causes grief in our life is usually over the loss of something. Over the loss of somebody. Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's the loss of a family member. Maybe it's the loss of family. Could be divorce. Could be something of that nature. Something is lost. Something is ripped from you. Something is taken from you. 
And because of that, it causes grief, it causes brokenness, it causes, it causes fear and anxiety and all of these things going on. Something is taken away from you. Well, this is what Job declares. He stands and declares this. He said, he said first, and this is what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to remember. Just four things, real quick, just put them right down beside each other. First, we need to remember this. When we're going through our traumatic experience, we need to remember this. A, we need to remember our arrival. <clears throat> We need to remember our arrival. He said, naked came I into this world. What does that mean? What does that mean? The principle behind that and the truth behind that is this. When you got here, you had nothing. I, I see this little baby, baby right here. And, 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 and that little baby has a shirt on and, and britches and all of this. But the truth be known, when that baby got here, it had nothing. It had no means of survival. It had no means of living. It could not take care of itself. If that baby was taken and put in a corner, that baby would die of starvation because that baby had not the ability to take care of itself or do anything for itself. It had nothing. Everybody in this room came into this world with nothing. You arrived with nothing. Now, listen, remember your arrival. Then B, remember your departure. Remember your departure. He said, and naked shall I return. And he's not talking about into his mother's womb. He's talking about back to Mother Earth. Thus we came and thus we shall return. Are y'all with me? In other words, I came here with nothing and I'm going to leave here with nothing. You came here with zero. You came here with nothing. You live your life on this earth and one day, I don't care what you accumulate. I don't care what you gather. I don't care what you say. You're going to leave this world with nothing. I don't care what kind of businessman you are. I don't care how popular you are. I don't care how much fame you have. You're going to leave with nothing. You didn't bring anything into it. You're not going to take anything out of it. Are y'all with me? In Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, and he's teaching him about contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And this is what he says in 1 Timothy 6, 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know what Job is saying? All those things I lost. All those things that in a moment's time was taken away from me. He's remembering his arrival. He's remembering his departure. But then he's remembering his provider. All of those things God gave to me. What's the point? <clears throat> he says, the Lord, come on, the Lord, the Lord. All right, see, everything you have, God gave you. Watch this. That thing that was taken away that's caused your nightmare, God gave you. And he understands a principle. And I'm fixing to say something that many Christians don't get. And if they would learn this and apply this and get this, it would help them heal tremendously from their trauma. We are stewards on this earth. 
We are a creature. He is the creator. If he gave, he has a right to take. And Job understood the principle of stewardship. He understood that everything I have came from God. And God had a right to give it and he has a right to take it away. You know what he's saying? I have no rights. You know why we get broke down so bad? We think we have rights. We think if something has taken away from us, how dare this? I didn't deserve this. Like we deserve anything anyway. You have no right to take this. You have no right to take my family. You have no right to take my possession. You have no right to take this stuff. And I am in a nightmare because you, and we want to assign blame, and we want to do this and that. And we, if we just understood, we're pilgrims passing through. We are stewards. We are God's creation. We are, listen, we are, we are just players in the game. We have no rights for anything. He gives us the air to breathe. He gives us the life we have. Your life is given to you by God. And and there is something that Job understands. He understood that everything he had, God gave him. And he understood that he can't take it with him. And we have people today that have lived their entire life angry and bitter at God and holding a grudge against God because God took something that they felt like they deserved. And Job said, I don't don't deserve anything. Isn't it amazing? When When you have children, children are so transparent, aren't they? An adult will smile in your face and stab you in the back. But a kid will stick his tongue out at you right to your face. (laughs) Do I have a witness? They're transparent. They're real. Isn't it amazing that you have kids all over this world that have nothing and you offer them an orange and they are just unbelievably ecstatic. And you have a spoiled young in here in America and they want an Xbox and you give them an orange? Your nightmare is fixing to come true. You know why? They feel obligated. They feel entitled. But you know when you know you came with nothing and you're going to leave with nothing, anything's a blessing. Now, I'm not telling you anything that's easy. I'm not not even going to feign like I'm standing up here and I got all this together because I grieve too. And I hurt too. And I ask why too. I'm just telling you what Job understood that helped him get through his nightmare. He understood it. If God chose it, And God took it away. He knows more than I do. You see, you need to remember. You need to remember. You need to remember your arrival. You need to remember your departure. You need to remember your provider. But then lastly, under that, you need to remember your, your habit, your pattern. What did he do? Blessed 
be the name of the Lord. Let's go back to the, the verse previous. He shaved his head, tore his mantle, fell down to the ground, and worshipped. What did he do? He went back to the habit and the pattern that he showed before it ever took place. Where do you see Job? He's constantly at his place of worship offering sacrifices on behalf of his children. What's the point? What's the principle behind this? Don't try to go through your nightmare without God. I have seen so many people get angry at God and frustrated at God and mad at God. And, and the first thing they do when they go through a traumatic experience is leave the very place that could be of great service and help and healing to them. They leave church and are mad at everything. Why did God let this happen to me? Why did God... And, and you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Job didn't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why a little baby at seven years old has to die of leukemia. I don't know why, why somebody has to go through a traumatic car accident. I don't know why things happen. I don't, I don't have those answers. But I do understand this. I know the only place I'm going to get help from I know the only place that I'm going to find hope, the only place that I'm going to find healing, the only place that I'm going to find something that's going to help me get through this is going to be in the presence of God. And he went back to what he did before. He went back to his pattern. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, my warning to you is this. When, when all hell breaks through in your life, the last thing you need to do is quit God. You better bring God into your grief process because he's the only one going to bring you through it. We'll turn to alcohol. We'll turn to pills. We'll turn to pills. We'll, we'll go straight to the doctor and say, I can't get through this. I can't handle this. And right, right away, they're going to give you something to put in your mouth. Listen, let's go to God. And I'm not, I'm not listen, don't nobody get offended and get mad at me. I, I, I know there are times when medication is very important and very needed and all that kind of thing. But I'm afraid that we're trying to look man's way before we look God's way. And by the way, that don't produce healing. All that just is dull everything. It just makes you feel nothing till you run out of medicine. I'm talking about healing. I'm talking about fixing it. Touching your situation. He remembered his habit. He said, I'm going to keep doing what I did before. I blessed his name when I had everything. I blessed his name when he, when he blessed my finances. I blessed his name when he gave me those children. I blessed his name when everything was going great, when his hand was upon me and his, his, his blessings and his favors upon me. I'm going to bless his name now. Number three, look at the next verse. <clears throat> look at the next verse. In all this, Job sinned not. Watch this now. Nor charged God foolishly. In all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Preacher, what do we do when our nightmare comes true? We grieve. Number two, we remember. We remember we didn't have anything to begin with. We didn't have anything to begin. We didn't come into this world. But that thing that was taken from us that's caused a nightmare in our heart, that thing that's been taken away, listen, we didn't have it when we got here. 
And whatever we do have, God has given it, and he has a right to take it if he sees fit. Number three, we, we, we grieve, we remember. Number three, we avoid. This is going to really help you, I promise. We avoid. We avoid. <clears throat> two things. i got to hurry. i got to hurry. Write these two things down. Avoid two things. A, avoid expecting explanations. Avoid expecting explanations. Then, then B, avoid assigning blame. The first thing we do is why? Why did this happen? Why did this take place? I want an explanation. I want some answers. I want some info. Or, or who did this? Whose fault is this? It's amazing that you can, you, you can go through, and I, I've seen people automatically, some, somebody had an issue and go through surgery, and the surgery was not successful, and, and, and it's just one of those things that takes place or happens and, and goes through, and they automatically, we want to blame the surgeon, we want to sue the hospital, we want to, we want to assign blame. And, 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 and I, used to think, I used to think it was all about money. Somebody's just looking for a free handout. Somebody's just looking for a free dollar. But I've learned in, in, in past experience, it's not always about that. It's not because they want their money. It's not because of that. It's because they're trying to to find somebody to blame because if they can find somebody to blame then they can punish that person and they think I'm going to feel better if I make them hurt somebody's wounded you somebody's hurt you the, the, listen the thing in your mind is going on the devil's telling you if you can make them pay if you can make them pay I read a story one day about a, a sister who I believe it was her brother that, that, that was killed by, by a killer and, and she spent her whole life trying to make this person pay and, 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 and listen, it come down to the day of the execution, she was going to be there to watch him die and be vindicated for what he did to her family member and after the execution was over she came out and the news media interviewed her and said, well, do you feel better? Do you feel vindicated? And tears falling off her face and she says, I don't feel any different. Matter of fact, she felt worse because she thought that if she could make this happen, she would finally heal on the inside and everything would be better. And now the only thing she ever looked for in life, now that didn't even happen. Because, listen, healing doesn't come when you cause pain in the other. Healing doesn't come when that other person pays for whatever they did. Healing doesn't come when you figure out why something happened. Healing doesn't come because of that. Healing comes through mercy and grace and forgiveness and the healing touch of God. Listen, try to avoid expecting an explanation. Let me, let me read this. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with asking why as long as we don't get the idea that God owes us an answer. There's nothing wrong with asking why as long as we don't get the idea that God owes us an answer. Even our Lord asks, why hast thou forsaken me? But watch this. Listen to this. This is so good. If the Lord tells us why things happen as they do, would that ease your pain or heal your broken heart? Watch this. Does reading the x-ray take away the pain of a broken leg? Not one bit. You're laying on the bed and you're in extreme pain. Doctor, tell me why. Tell me why. Why am I hurting? Why am I hurting? Why am I hurting? He said, well, this x-ray says it's broke. Do you not now all of a sudden stop hurting? But you know why? 
Do you see my point? Don't think that if you know why, that's going to make it stop hurting. Having an explanation is not going to fix it. Here's, here's the deal. Listen, listen real good. The child of God does not live by explanations. The child of God lives by promises. The child of God does not live by explanations. The child of God lives by... Watch this. Watch this. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own. In other words, don't depend on what you can figure out. Because there's going to be times and there's going to be things that you can't figure out. There's going to be things that take place in your life you will not have an answer for. The preacher won't have an answer for. The doctor won't have an answer for. Nobody will have an answer for. You will not understand it. But he says don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on what makes sense to you. Don't lean on what you can figure out. But trust in the Lord. Watch this. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me tell you what got Job through, Job 13, 11. This is what he says. Though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. You know what Job is saying? I don't know. I don't know why this has happened. I don't know where this is going. Matter of fact, in that same verse right there in the chapter before, he's saying, I have looked in front of me. I have looked behind me. I've looked to my right and I've looked to my left and I can't find God nowhere. I don't know where God is. I pray and I ask and I beg and it seems like that God is totally absent. But he says this, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And do you realize that it is at the moment that he put his faith and his total confidence and his trust in the Lord that God began to turn things around and God began to open his eyes to see things he had never seen before and God blessed him twice as much as he ever had. What's the point? You won't be in this valley forever. It won't be this dark forever. God will bring you through. But you're going to have to trust him. I want an explanation. I don't have one. I want a reason. I don't have one. And you're not going to get one. But I can give you a promise. I can promise you this, that God is a refuge and strength and a very present help in the time of trouble. I can promise you this, that God is a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. I can promise you this, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort anybody that's in the same trouble that we go through. I have a God who can heal your broken heart. I promise you he will walk with you through this. When I can't see ahead, i got to trust him. Well, how do I do that? You got to walk with him before the nightmare. If you don't worship and you don't have an intimate relationship with God before the nightmare, you're going to have a hard time during the nightmare. It was the time Job spent with God before the nightmare 
that got him through the nightmare. Trust in the Lord. Say it with me. Everybody say it. When you can't see, trust him. When you don't understand, trust him. Trust him. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word.